Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. What did you say? I said, yeah, he's not bad at soccer either. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Peanut, peanut gallery is in fine voice tonight. Not not unlike White Hart Lane from earlier today. Oh, that was glorious. Did you watch it? Or did you uh, see highlights? Or I saw highlights. I watched Espen FC. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of keeping up with it on my phone. But um, mm-hmm. both of my televisions were taken from me during the day. And... Um, my phone didn't really have enough battery to, to really put it on and go. So I was like, oh, yeah. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I, I got I to say, I know, shocking, right? Um, Spurs Spurs fans uh, were good today, I got to admit. They were, they were I mean, they're, they're generally pretty good, but today was... Today, today was a special day for them. I was, I was quite proud of them. Someone must have um, had good bagels earlier in the day, huh? Oh, I want some bagels. Oh, oh, I, I've had, I, I, I got spoiled on on Christmas break. Uh, Jackie gave me some actual, like, legit New York bagels, including this thing I've discovered, and I'm, I'm sure I've been out of the loop on this. It's called an egg bagel. It's delicious. <laughs> Yeah, I'm from the south. I don't know anything about that, dude. Oh, it's mm, it's quite good, quite quite good. Kind of kind of just taking like your egg egg McMuffin sandwich and just putting the egg straight into the bread. That sounds interesting. That's quite delicious. I'm enthralled. I'm enthralled, as always, by the A Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 140, here, coming to you hot and heavy, just like the holiday havoc that has been happening in the Premier League these past couple weeks. I am Edward Green, joined, as always, by McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw, and we have a lot to discuss in the Premier League, uh, and we are going to do it in a, a bit of a modified form, uh, sometimes when we have a lot of matches pile up on each other, uh, we like to just more break down the team. Teams. Uh, so we'll be talking a lot about the top six this week. Uh, how can the other five catch Chelsea after Spurs made it just a wee bit easier uh, to uh, to get to closer to them this Wednesday? Uh, of course, our podcast, as always, is presented to you by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com. 
we never stop. As well as I'm Next USA. Do you want to be the next Mark Clattenburg after he goes to China too? Well, they can <laughs> probably help you with that. If, uh, if you want to be a Premier League referee, uh, come on, Mike Dean. Um, you can visit I'm Next USA today to take the next step in your life. So, Wes, without further ado, to the football. Oh, let's hit it, Ed. Let's hit it hard. Let's hit it oh. just as hard as we say goodbye to 2016. Oh, God. And the end of Mariah Carey's career. The last, the last <laughs> death. I told you one a day. And I was right. Yes, yeah, so of course, if we include Ronda Rousey's career and then Mariah Carey's career, I think we hit our number. Not a, not a good day for careers right at the end there. Right at the death, as it were. And coming this Sunday... <laughs> Yeah. Potentially, weather permitting, it'll be the yeah. death of the all new sports show. Welcome, yeah, weather permitting indeed. <laughs> um, quick run through of scores since last we talked. Uh, Hull drew 2 2 against Everton on Friday. Then Bournemouth beat Swansea 3 0. Uh, West Brom beat Southampton 2 1. United uh, beat Middlesbrough 2-1 in a comeback victory. Uh, Leicester beat West Ham 1-0. Chelsea uh, beat Stoke 4-2. Burnley beat Sunderland 4-1. And in the game of the season, I guess, Liverpool beat Man City 1-0. We'll talk a little bit about that later. It was intense. It was intense. It was quite intense. I will give it that. And uh, I will say they are not... Well, I may have made fun of them just right there a little bit. A lot of times so far this season, season the quote-unquote game of the year has uh, not really lived up to expectations. Today's did a little bit, uh, and in about a week and a half, we'll have another crack at uh, match yeah, of the season. It, it, it worked out today for Spurs fans. That's true. <laughs> It was it was a great affair for us. It just wasn't a scintillating dynamite affair. As I mean, it's say. always you look for those match of the seasons, and then it always ends up being like Watford versus Bournemouth or something. Yeah, and it's like exactly. five, and everybody scores like after the 80th minute. So. Brilliant. Um, also, <laughs> we had uh, on Sunday Tottenham destroyed Watford four one. Arsenal beat Palace two nil. Then Monday, everybody went back at it. Millsborough and Leicester drew nil nil. West Brom beat Hull 3-1. Sunderland used a pair of penalties to draw Liverpool 2-2. 10-man Man City got past Burnley 2-1. Everton beat Southampton 3-0. And United beat United Manchester over West Ham uh, at this thing called the Olympic Stadium 2-0. On Tuesday... There was a 3-3 draw, which I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit. Uh, Bournemouth had let a three-goal lead slip against Arsenal as the Gunners came back to claim a point at the Vitality Stadium. Uh, Crystal Palace fell late to Swansea 2-1, although Wilfred Zaha did have an amazing goal in that game. And Stoke beat Watford 2-0 at home. And then finally, as we mentioned, today, Wednesday, Tottenham blanks Chelsea 2-0 to end the Blues' 13 straight match victory run. It's over. It's done. Uh, Wes, we, we, we kind of went through a bunch of games. And so we'll take a quick look at the table right now. As it stands, Chelsea still on top with 49 points. Liverpool now just five back, even with a couple drop points against Sunderland. They're still right there, 44 points. Tottenham now on the back of their victory today. They're at 42 points, seven behind Chelsea, two off of Liverpool. 
City also at 42, but are 6 to the worst <laughs> on goal differential from Tottenham. Arsenal currently sit in 5th with 41 points. United are in 6th with 39, but they are hard-charging. The bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Crystal Palace are just above it with 16 points in 17th place. Sunderland and Swansea both have 15 points. And lastly, as Hull with 13. And we'll have a little bit of news on them when we hit the news and notes. But Wes, we are going to take a look at this top six of the table and how each of the other five besides Chelsea could catch them and become the title winners this year. We're going to discuss how Chelsea can prevent that from happening. So let's start in sixth place. And uh, it's it's not so unlucky Manchester United anymore. Uh, they off the backs of some very tough losses and draws for them. Uh, they come up with a couple big wins, getting that 2-1 win over Middlesbrough, especially with multiple goals late on. Uh, again, United 10 points back of Chelsea right now, Wes. But they do seem to be rounding into form. They're not using Rooney anymore. They're not. They are getting great use out of Enric Mkhitaryan. Paul Pogba is starting to find his rhythm, and Zlatan is daring to Zlatan as only Zlatan can. So I ask you, Man United. As much as I don't think you nor I would want to see them catch <laughs> Chelsea and win the league, how could they do it? Um, basically, if they can just uh, hold on to the form that they've got going right now, uh, and then they're still going to need the, the problem for them is they're still going to need some help above them. That is true. Yeah, um, help. you know they they've got a big one coming up um, after this this break coming up. Now uh, they've got the next big one coming up. Um, battle of top six is going to be them in Liverpool on the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, to start with, they've. You know they they need to win that match, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know, and that's that's something that can help propel them forward as good as Liverpool's been lately, or as good as Liverpool's been this season. Um, for for United, they're going to have to take the opportunities against the five teams above them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, they're they're going to have to start uh, with the next match against Liverpool. Um, United, I'm, I'm going to give United a lot of credit, which is ugh, not in my DNA at mm-hmm. all. But um, they have, you know, Josie has kind of swallowed a little bit of his early pride. He's adjusted. Uh, as you said, you know, Rooney, for whatever it's worth, Rooney hasn't really been a part of the setup lately. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think for Josie, I, I believe Mourinho always thought that was going to be like a big deal to the fans. Mm-hmm. The fans just want to win at United. Yeah. They're not so worried about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> um, and once he figured that out, and once he's finally kind of unleashed Mkhitaryan, it's definitely, definitely given them a new uh, kind of a new a new air of of life to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely a different team. They're a better team. Um, also, with the January window here, I, I, I believe we're going to see some moves from United. I still think they, they got some work to do at the back. And this could be a time for them to go out and make a move. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, United, I think the way United are playing now, they could be a title contender. I just think they're a little too far back. 
Mm-hmm. And the teams in front of them, it's, it's not like the teams in front of them. I mean, you, you can't really foresee any of the five in front of them just like completely falling off the rails. Right. You know, that's the thing. Uh, and that's going to be what might keep them from the title. But for them to win the title, they need to uh, they need to take maximum points from the teams ahead of them, um, and and you know hold serve against the teams that they're supposed to beat. Absolutely, you know I think you brought up something very big there. Uh, Josie kind of swallowing his ego a little bit. I, I think that's been huge for United this season because the way this was going, this uh-huh. could have been a. I don't know about as big a train wreck as last season's Chelsea team for him, but this was starting to go off the rails a little bit. And he's he's brought it back on. They had the, the failures in Europa a little bit. Uh, they had some other misses in the league, but they've come back. They've, they've righted the ship, um, and, and he's kind of kept that team unity together, and I think that's been huge. I, I think, like you, it's, it's going to take a lot above them to collapse for them to try and win the title. It just, I, as you said, I don't think one of these teams could fall off. Maybe even two, five seems a little unlikely, um, to put it mildly. Um, but I, I think United is definitely heading in a good direction. That's very scary for the rest of the league because if nothing else, they can definitely be, they're going to be a top four contender going forward and they could end up playing spoilers. They do get Tottenham at White Hart Lane, be it. But they do get them late in the year, and uh, they'll obviously have a chance against Liverpool to derail them a little bit uh, when we come back from break. Well, and of course, I, I think, too, United's biggest problem, you know, they're 10 points back right now. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just I can't see Chelsea falling off enough for them to pass Chelsea. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see. I just I just think the top of the league has been good this year. You know, these teams, yeah, yeah. Have, they've been good. They've played good. Um, you know, the, now the top teams, they've dropped some points to the lower teams. But it's not mm-hmm. like anything like last year. Yeah. You know, where, oh, my God, every week, two or three of them were getting beat every week, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not seeing that this year. You're seeing a lot more consistency at the top. And that's gonna make it. That's just gonna make it tough to overcome that deficit. I think you're right. As we move to number five on the table, Arsenal, and I'm gonna put this very simply. I think this is a very, very good team. This is a very strong team. Olivier Giroud is finally starting to hit a, a purple patch for him, which could be dynamite for this team. Alexis is Alexis, and even as Ozil looks like he's fallen off a little bit. Um, the getting Mustafi back um, what was good for them, and they're starting to sort of regain some of that uh, that team uh, dimension that was missing in recent times, and, and they are still very good and very strong. What worries me about Arsenal, and it's it seems like it's always you know do they want to stay in a title race, mm-hmm. and and it's nothing more evident than at the end of that Bournemouth match. This is a team there, as, as we talked about, we talked about this when they played Liverpool. Mm-hmm. They can be flat track runners when, when they're down 3-0, as it was in the game against Bournemouth on, on Tuesday. Um, they were able to come back. They even, this time, made the entire comeback and got three goals back. Uh, granted, the last one came against a 10-man Bournemouth. 
and Bournemouth isn't really one of the better defensive teams in the league anyway. Um, but they they make the comeback. Olivier Giroud scores the goal just as we head into stoppage time. There's a bunch of stoppage time. I believe it was five minutes. And instead of, as the goal is scored, instead of grabbing the ball, running back to the circle, putting it down and saying, okay, we have Bournemouth on the ropes. They are reeling right now. Let's go for the win. Let's cut their hearts out and get back in this title race. Nah, Giroud just starts dancing. Oh, yeah, I remember that scorpion kick that I did a couple days ago. Yeah, it was cool, wasn't it, guys? And that, to me, even... And I know his teammates were trying to get him back. And and as an article mentioned I read today, it was only about 12 seconds. So in the grand scheme of things, it probably didn't matter. But from that moment on, and even Arlo White tweeted it. He said, all right, game on. Now put in the center and go get a winner. From that moment on, for those final few minutes, I thought Bournemouth was going to take it back. They took the impetus. They took the game back. And I genuinely thought, even after getting shell-shocked, like that, they look the more likely at the very end there to, to pitch back a winner. And and that to me says everything about Arsenal. Is they got back. They they made this gigantic climb to get back from 3-0 down to level at three. And they're like, okay, that's good enough. We got our point back, you know. Okay, let's let's pack it in for the day, boys. Let's let's go on holiday. And instead of saying no. We got three. We can get four. We have all the momentum right now. Let's fucking do this. And that's Arsenal's problem in a nutshell. They're too damn complacent. It's it's enough. Just enough is just good enough for them. And that's why I don't think they they will not challenge for the title. They are a great team. And I am scared always to play them. But they don't have that killer instinct. I don't care what Alexis has done this season. They don't got it. Everything else they got to win the league, but they don't have the killer instinct. I agree. It all comes down to mentality for Arsenal. And at the end of the day, no matter some of the great things they do, there's just moments that crop up when you get the feeling that their mentality is not of title winners. It's of perennial contenders. Yeah. And, you know, Arsenal are always going to give you about three or four times during the season – Oh, man, they're making their move. Oh, Arsenal, Arsenal, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then they, you know, go and draw to Sunderland or something. You know, just something that takes away all the momentum. Um, And then they go into about a three- or four-game funk where they might lose one, they might win one, they'll draw a couple, and they find themselves back out of the race. I completely agree with you about the Bournemouth match. You know, when you're in a race like that, and – you know, a lot of the times, yes, especially down 3-0 late and coming back to tie it, you know, you can you can sit there and say, you know, 3-3, mission complete. You know, we're not losing a point. We're not losing points today. But, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way. When you had Bournemouth in that position, you had them down. You had them basically on their back ready to die. Mm-hmm. Now's not the time to dance. You know what? Let's get that fourth goal, and then you can freaking hit a stripper pole if you want to, Giroud. Go for it. But at that time, you know, I'm just thinking, let's go over the throat and let's try to get it back. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I mean, I, I would say as an Arsenal fan, I'd be disappointed. As a not Arsenal fan, I, I love it. You know, hey, fine, just take a point from Bournemouth, whatever. Uh, but 
you know, that said, I've just, I've seen more, I've seen more of a killer instinct go for it from Chelsea, from Liverpool, and from Tottenham this year. Mm-hmm. And in the last month, I've seen it more from United. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Arsenal would be content for top four. You know, Arson might tell you different, but you know, Arson always tells you different. But at the end of the day, he plays a certain way, he coaches a certain way. I think they're content on top four. <clears throat> but I'll tell you this: I don't think they're guaranteed top four. They are just those four teams we just mentioned. Um, you know, the, the only thing they've got right now is that advantage over United. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's definitely no gimme for Arsenal this season. Um, you know, in the past, they've always kind of had that, well, we'll finish fourth. Well, you know what? This year, there is a, there is a dead set big six, and mm-hmm. it is the big six that we've been expecting it to be for a while mm-hmm. now, and it's finally kind of come to fruition. I mean, when you look at the table, United's in sixth. They're nine up on Everton. Yeah. Everton ain't catching them. Nobody's catching the top six. And it's the six big boys. It's the six baddest dudes on the block. And they're going to slug it out for the title this year. And um, it's not going to be any more just, oh, well, you know, it's, it's no longer – it's not a big four. We've been talking about it for a while. It's a big six. Mm-hmm. And there's only four spots for that Champions League. So uh, – you know, Arsenal. Arsenal's going to have to. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to avoid their little slumps that they go into, or they could very much find themselves even after having a, a quote unquote good season. Mm-hmm. They could find themselves on the outside looking in. That's the thing, Ed. Out of those six teams, five of them are going to have quote unquote good seasons, and somebody's going to miss out. Somebody's going to be horribly disappointed because you know they're going to they're going to have eighty points and not make a Champions League spot. Mm-hmm. So it, it um it's a fight. It's going to be a fight the rest of the way for everything. And I just don't know if Arsenal is built for a fight. Yeah, so. they're they're built really well, but I just I I think it's their makeup. You know, we talked uh, after the City game, uh, Theo Walcott. Um, joined the NBC desk who was pitch side and, and he, he talked to them for a little bit and you know they, they, he made some comments about the strategy not really working and it's like it didn't he didn't say it like a dick but he kind of basically called out Wenger on air and and that's you know you we, we've heard you know Alexis Sanchez is is not very happy and it's things like that that like again this is a great team that's somehow and is I, I I think they're actually a legitimately good team. I think I think Granit Xhaka has not been as good as we thought he might be for this team. I think Shakhtar and Mustafi has been much better for this team um, in terms of the signings they brought in. But they still didn't bring in a true striker. I know Giroud has been better as of late, but they didn't they didn't bring in that cutthroat striker, which is now where again we're seeing exactly what they need. I don't know where that exists in this summer, in this sorry, in this uh, January transfer window. If they could find it, I'd like their chances a lot more to, to challenge for the title. Um, but I mean, again, they've missed out on Draxler, as we'll get to in a little bit. And and again, it's just that's that's what Arsenal needs. They need a cutthroat mentality 
to catch Chelsea, and I don't think they have it. Agreed. So, now we move to fourth place, and that is Manchester City at 42 points, uh, level with Tottenham on points, but uh, six less in goal differential. Um, again, Fernandinho, for the third time in six matches, has been sent off with a red card. Um, this time with a sort of iffy challenge. Um, of course, his last red card was because of the almost fight he had with uh, choking out Cesc Fabregas when City <laughs> played Chelsea. Um, but the City, to their credit... Uh, 10-man City did come back and beat Burnley 2-1. Uh, Pep a little prickly after the match. Um, he didn't start Aguero, didn't start Silva, brought them on, and then they provided him with the winning magic. Um, this is a City team, West that is, I think, good enough to win the Premier League. If Pep, and I think it's what it's going to take is to win the league, is Pep needs to figure out how to win consistently in the Premier League. Because this team, for the most part, has done it. This team has won a Premier League title. The big, the big parts of it, anyway. Aguero, Silva, um, and some others in, in that defensive back line. They've won a title. So they know how to do it. If Pep can figure out in this very tough, as you said, this is a bruising top six now. If if he can figure out how to you know, to finally navigate the Premier League, I think City have a real chance to win. Until then, I like them for the top four, but not much farther than that. Talking about mentalities, um, when it comes to City, I think their mentality right now is that they've got to go out and score a lot of goals to win. They've been found out at the back. Um, and it's not just that four. Claudio Bravo is not a good goalkeeper. Yeah. Not in the Premier League anyway. You know, let's put it that way. Um, when you look at Barcelona, I think you kind of can read into things after a while that, uh, you know, the way Barcelona play football and the defensive players that they have, they make a lot of goalkeepers look really good. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say Bravo doesn't have his pluses. He He's very good at distributing the ball. He yeah. plays it at his feet well. He plays out from the back. <clears throat> but the Premier League is not La Liga. Mm-hmm. You don't have your team doesn't have seventy five percent of the ball every match, and you might see a shot every three weeks against you. You mm-hmm. know, Premier League squads they play a fast paced, athletic, hard style of football. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is once again is built on athleticism. Um, it's built on will a lot of the times. It's built on, you know, I'm going to take you on and I'm going to beat you. Where in Spain, it's more built on this is the system. We're going to play the system and we're going to pass around you. And then I'm going to do this gorgeous move and everyone's going to ooh and ah. And during the ah, I'm going to, you know, slide it by you for a goal. Um, Bravo does not command his box worth a shit. He does not come for balls worth a shit. He doesn't stop shots very well. Mm-hmm. And 
I think right now, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you right now, the player that Man City wishes they had in goal was Joe Hart. That's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, for as for as much grief as Joe Hart got, and and you know, let, let's let's keep this in mind too. One reason Joe Hart got so much grief is that he's the England number one. And what happens when you're ever an England player? You get more shit piled on you than anyone in the world, because that's just what they do to their own. They eat their own in England. Um, if Joe Hart was Welsh, I don't think he'd have nearly the amount of issues that he had at City uh, with the press and with the fans and with the you know the, the front staff. Um, I just think City are too weak at the back. Uh, Pep has not um, adjusted to playing Premier League football. Um, he still it's it's like he refuses. It's like Pep, Pep Guardiola does not want to play any kind of football where his teams have to tackle anyone. It's like yeah. he sees it as like a four-letter word. Oh, tackle. Ugh. You know, we won't stoop to the level of these Neanderthals and have to tackle people. Well, you know what? When it's August and when it's September and it's pretty outside and the pitches are in immaculate condition, you can pass and run around people and you can look gorgeous in England and you can score five, six goals a match. And you can do that. When it gets cold, when it gets hard in England, you've got to play more of an English style of football. Now, everyone, of course, has their different ways of doing this. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to go out there and be physical and be tough and fight and want to win the ball and want to win the possession. That is how you go and win the match. Pep Guardiola does not seem to believe in that for whatever reason. He has this idea that, you know, well, my brand has worked everywhere I'm gone, and it's going to work here because I'm smarter than everyone. Now, I've told you folks before what I think of that. It helps when you have the biggest payroll everywhere you've ever been, and you play in a one, two, or three-team league. We just told you that there's six who could vie for the championship at any time in England this year. There are six. They are all proper hard. At least five of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe four and a half if we want to really take out Arsenal. But I mean, even Arsene Wenger understands it better than uh, than Guardiola does. Guardiola is going to have to adjust. What do we talk about, Mourinho? Mourinho has adjusted this season, and that's why his team's coming alive. Guardiola does not want to have to adjust to play the English style of the game. I think right now, of all the teams in the top six. City are the team most in danger of a free fall right now. And that's that's hard to imagine just based on the players that they have. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think right now, I think of all the teams in the top six right now, I think I think uh, City are the team that are doubting themselves the most. Um, I think everyone else has a good idea of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, how, and how to do it. That's the other thing. You know, Tottenham has really come. Tottenham's really coming alive. Liverpool, Liverpool have it figured out. Chelsea mm-hmm. have it figured out. United seem to have it figured out. Arsenal have it figured out. It's just will they do it? Um, City don't seem like they have it figured out. I think right now, City are in the most trouble. I think in the top six. Well, let me ask you, and and real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of move on to our next team. Can 
can Pep's system? If he bring, can he bring in enough players to execute his system in England? Because that's that's gonna be the thing going forward. Because it's probably he's probably not gonna be able to do it in this transfer window. Yeah. Uh, even though they might make some moves, it's not gonna be enough to be able to perfectly play his style. Can he play that style and be successful in England? What are we calling successful? Top four. No, like winning the league. Okay. <clears throat> I don't believe that the system that he played at Barcelona and the system that he played at Bayern Munich, I don't believe in the Premier League it has the legs to go wire to wire. Okay. Um, it, it has the basis of a system that will work. You know, they like to press. They want to get up in your face. They want to take control of the ball. They want to move forward. But you cannot do it. <clears throat> you cannot do it for 38 games in the Premier League trying to be a finesse football team. Mm-hmm. You Now, you can be built as a finesse team, but you have got to have some steel. I mean, look at the great Arsenal teams who everyone say were, you know, they were the most aesthetically pleasing Premier League teams ever. They also had some real hard motherfuckers in those teams, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what made Arsenal great at those times. United, you know, United free flow and score, and you know, swashbuckling United. They had steel back in the eighties when Liverpool were dominating the world. They had steel in that team. It's great to be able to. You know, be entertaining and score goals. That's awesome. But you've got to be able to clamp down and be able to grind and be able to win matches that, you know, when you're not at your free-flowing best, Mm -hmm. you can still go out and find a way to win. And, you know, we'll get to it a little later, obviously, but looking at that uh, Liverpool-City game on, uh, on Saturday, that was the difference. Liverpool got their goal and we're like, all right, guys, you know, it's time to play, you know, it's time to put on our jocks and play some hard-nosed football and win this game. City just seemed to wilt near the end of that match. It's like they were like, God, we just we just don't want it anymore. Fuck it. We're done today. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's the mentality <clears throat> that not all of those players have. Obviously, you've got some league winners in there. But that's the mentality that City seemed to be missing because you know what? City have won two titles and they had some proper hard men in those teams. Mm-hmm. They're they're missing. That's the element that's missing from this City team right now. All right. Well, we'll see if they can correct that in future transfer windows. We move now to third place tied with City. Uh, 42 points, but the big victory today has vaulted them into third place. And that is Tottenham Hotspur. Um, maybe now, maybe along with United and obviously still with Chelsea, even with their one loss, maybe one of the hottest teams in the Premier League. Uh, Tottenham coming off a holiday period uh, where they go down to the South Coast, beat Southampton, trounce Watford, and then come home and beat Chelsea 2-0 to end their run. Um, the goals are starting to come. Um, as, as somebody said uh, today, I believe it was Kyle Martino, one of the game plans today may have been, well, if we can shut down Harry Kane, we can probably have a good day. They shut down Harry Kane today, Chelsea did. But Deli Ali has his 
third straight brace uh, to, to put Tottenham out in front. And this is all of a sudden a guy that, you know, hasn't been great the early part of the season, but is starting to come alive. And, you know, Wes, we're, we're seeing it now. We're seeing it with Erickson. We're seeing it with Son. We're seeing it um, with Ali now. As as it's not necessarily as Kane goes, so go Spurs anymore. And that was something, you know, last year was sort of the case. Um, and we've talked about it, you know, can can the rest of this team step up to score goals? And it seems like they finally are starting to come up to that level. Christian Eriksen, a great game, two assists, uh, both actually both assists for the goals today. Um, the back line is, you know, where, where this game was really won. Both defenses, two goals aside for Tottenham, because those were their only two shots on goal in the entire match. Both defenses were superb uh, on the day. The midfield battle was great. Tottenham now completely healthy almost. They're just missing Eric Lamella at this point from their their mainstays. This is a team all of a sudden they've moved that vaunted back three. And I personally think, and I, I believe the, the Wobby that was on today said it best, uh, I think they can absolutely win the Premier League. I don't think they're going to, but I think they can. And that's kind of how they feel. I think even, you know, we, we said a little bit with United, I kind of feel like Tottenham are maybe even a little too far back. Even having gotten to this point, they're only seven down, but I think that that might be, that might be almost a bridge too far unless Chelsea start dropping some more matches along the way. But all of a sudden, this is a Tottenham team that in the beginning of the season still had that really good defense but couldn't find goals and was getting a lot of draws. But now they're finding wins. Now they're finding goals. And this is a very, very very dangerous Tottenham team uh, going forward, who I think, I agree, they have every piece now to win the league. I don't know that they will. And I, I think maybe they're still, again, a little too far behind. But this is a team that definitely can challenge for the league as, as currently built. Uh, in their last six, Tottenham, five wins, one loss. Um, <clears throat> tied for second in the form chart now with Chelsea. <laughs> you know, Chelsea taking the loss today. Uh, United, six, six in their last six. They're, they're top of the chart. Um, Tottenham are making a move right now. And it, it has, as we said, seen them make their way up to third on goal differential right now. They are looking really strong. They're looking good at the back. Um, they're finding the goals up front. I mean, they're, they're not going to be mistaken for a free-flowing, free-scoring squad this year by any yeah. means. I mean, it's not that kind of a team. But, I mean, they're if they can find a couple of goals a game, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saw today they broke down Chelsea. They uh, – you know, something I saw written, you know, I think, you know, someone said, I think they've given the league the blueprint to beat Chelsea. The problem is Tottenham and maybe one or two others may be the only ones in the league who can do that. <laughs> well, and just real quick on that, I was actually thinking there's a lot of people, I've seen that floating around in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Spurs actually gave the blueprint to beat Chelsea in the game against Stanford Bridge at Stanford Bridge a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... Tottenham could only do their game plan for like the first 35 minutes. Uh-huh. And then with the way the schedule had broken for them, they were just coming off Europa League week and some other tough matches. They just kind of wore down and couldn't keep up the same intensity. 
here they kept it the same intensity. They also had Aldevareld and Danny Rose back in, and and they executed virtually the same game plan, and this time it worked. Um, so I, I think that the game plan's been there. The blueprint's there to beat Chelsea. It's just I think, but I think you're exactly right. I think it's Liverpool. M- United and maybe City. I mean, Arsenal, you know, I mean, Arsenal I, has been I, I, think, I think Liverpool and United and Tottenham are about the only ones. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't think City can do to Chelsea what needs to be done right now. We've obviously seen they yeah. don't have the mentality for it. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen that very recently. So. Yes. Um, but, but I think you're right. I I, I I think you're right. That is the the issue for Tottenham, or not for Tottenham, but for the rest of the league as far as Tottenham's concerned about getting the race. It's going to be very hard to beat Chelsea, even if you know how to beat them. Well, and now I guess we'll, we'll move on to the second place team. And Ed, one sure. thing that you, you kind of just alluded to, um, I guess you'll say in second place right now, Liverpool, uh, number-wise, you know, if you go by the bookers, Liverpool have the best chance to overtake Chelsea. Oh, yeah. And what is the one thing that the first and second place teams in the Premier League don't have that everyone else below them has? European competition. European competition. Liverpool doesn't have to worry about playing Bayern Munich. Liverpool doesn't have to worry about going somewhere in Slovenia that might not have an airfield. This That's a good draw for us. <clears throat> yeah, thank God, thank God. We know where Belgium is on a map. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but right now, I think that's where both Liverpool and Chelsea were able to make their early season moves were because, once again, they didn't have to worry about the midweek. They just worried about the Premier League. And, hey, you know, if you're worrying about the Cup, okay. But, you know, <laughs> yes, Liverpool, you can say, well, Liverpool's got the League Cup. I mean, it's not like they've exactly played a first team every match in the League Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, they've spread it around. Um, <clears throat> but I think that that could prove even more crucial going forward because, you know, we've seen, we've seen here with the fixture congestion how tough that's been on teams. And, I mean, kind of after this, Liverpool and Chelsea don't have to worry about the fixture congestion going forward. They can worry about the Premier League. Um, and everyone else still has outside interests to worry about. Uh, Liverpool can beat Chelsea, or Liverpool can pit Chelsea to the title. Because let's look at it. Let's look at it this way. Chelsea have just won 13 straight matches. And they have a five-point cushion. Liverpool have been, while maybe not quite in the form of Chelsea, they're right behind them. They're fourth in the form chart, where, um, you know, uh, United in first, Chelsea right above them, though. You know, you look at the last six matches, well, Chelsea won five of them. I mean, Liverpool are one point worse over the last six. Over the last ten, Liverpool are six points worse, which means that, you know, before... Before Chelsea ran off this great run, Liverpool had a lead on them. And after this amazing record, nearly record-tying run in the Premier League, you're five up, and a team that's already beaten you is nipping at your heels. 
I mean, that just that cannot be a comfortable look from Chelsea at the end of the day. Uh, <clears throat> add to the fact that uh, this is a Liverpool team that has not been completely healthy during this Chelsea run. Uh, they have been without their talisman, uh, Philippe Coutinho, for most of it. Um, they have had a goalie switch during that time. And a re-switch. And a re-switch, exactly. You know, they've, they've switched goalies now twice. Um, you know, the, the guy who was the rock of the defense has been hurt for the last three matches. And yet, here they sit five points off the mark. Uh, with a huge match coming up at the end of the month in, at Anfield, which has, um, which has become, once again, Fortress Anfield um, over the last year. And I mean, as a as a Liverpool fan, and as you know, you know, as I would feel other Liverpool fans felt, if you had told me Chelsea was going to rip off 13 straight wins, and we were going to be in second place and five points back when it ended, holy shit, sign me up. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and when you look at Liverpool's record at their point total at their point tally this year, um, they're a little unlucky maybe to not be even closer. I have massive issues with this Monday match against Sunderland. <laughs> that if, I guess we're going to get into a little later. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, um, we, we're just going to discuss it right now. We're, we're kind of just talking about the matches okay. as we okay. talk about the team. Uh, yeah. I, thought were, I, I thought both of those penalty calls were fucking horrendous. <laughs> Uh, and not not maybe the call themselves each time, but the calls that were around them and preceded them and set them up. Um, I thought Anthony Taylor had a really poor match on Monday. It wasn't a good week. No, 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 no. They were not great. And Anthony Taylor, as you as you can see by today's name, Ed. Yeah, fuck Anthony we Taylor. Well, yeah, I guess we can. Um, I. I and, you know, thinking that your team deserves something doesn't mean shit in the long run. I felt Liverpool deserved three on Monday. And if they had gotten that result, they're sitting three back after Chelsea runs off 13 straight wins. So, I mean, I feel excellent about where my squad is. I think um, top four is an absolute minimum right now for Liverpool. <clears throat> um, I think top three is um, – is most likely where it's going to end up somewhere in that top three. I think the title is there. It's going to be up to Klopp and the Reds to go and take it. That's the thing. Um, with with the way the schedule breaks, of course, very early in the season, Liverpool had to play an extra game on the road uh, due, to, uh, due to the construction at Anfield, uh, which means that um, they they kind of get an extra, uh, basically out of 18 matches left, you know most people have nine on the road, nine at home. Right. Liverpool have 10 at home, eight on the road. Yeah. And we talked about Anfield. Anfield has been a fortress, so that's obviously a massive boost for you. Um, the big teams still have to come to Anfield. Uh, the only the only top six that we travel to here at this part of the season. Uh, is going to be United. Yes. And me- Ooh, maybe City. I think we uh, might I go thought, to City I thought late. it was City for some reason. I think we go to City late, yeah, because we played that one at Anfield the other day. So we go to the two Manchesters. 
Uh, of course, United on the 15th, and then City later in the year. But Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea all still have to come to Anfield. And, um, and out of those three, Liverpool have taken points at all three on the road this season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool, I think, are in a really good position. I think they're in... I think they're in almost a stronger position than they were in 2013-2014. Uh, the only difference is, I think the top, well, the top six is definitely better this year than it was that year. Um, and I don't think, uh, I just think with the way that right now Tottenham City United and Arsenal below them, I don't think... I don't think either Chelsea or Liverpool are going to be able to pull away that easily. You know, I mean, we've already kind of covered that. I just don't think, and I mean, yes, there could be points to put between them, but I just don't think it's going to be an easy pull away where one and two are going to be ten points clear of three and four at the end of the day. Uh, for Liverpool, let's see what they do here in the month of January. Um, the, uh, the report is that Klopp has been handed 40 million pounds to play with. Um, roughly one Chinese signing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, roughly a quarter of an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Mane is off to Gabon. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's obviously a tough loss for him. That's their leading goal scorer on the season. Uh, Sturridge, go figure, injured. Um, Matip, hoping to get him back soon. Uh hoping to have Jordan Henderson coming off of this break um, in in a couple of weeks. Uh, I feel good about Liverpool. Uh, the, the one thing I did see about them that I, that I had to smirk about was uh, someone compared Liverpool to Robin Hood this year. They, uh, they take from the rich, as we talked about earlier, Chelsea, <laughs> City, <laughs> Arsenal, and they give to the poor, West Ham, Bournemouth, Burnley, Sunderland. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we kind of got to get out of that. Liverpool need to take their points where they're supposed to take their points. And if they do that, um, let's say, you know, January 31st, that's a big six-pointer uh, with Chelsea. So, uh, I think if they can get through that and they're right near the top, Liverpool are going to have a chance. Last question, then, before we move on to the, the title champions in waiting. Of course. Um, um, January 11th, Liverpool travel to the South Coast to play Southampton mm-hmm. in the in the League Cup, mm-hmm. and then do have to turn around that Sunday and play United. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the first leg of a two-leg stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, how how rotated of a squad does Klopp play in the uh, in the League Cup match? Does he play rotates? Um, well, now even before that, January the eighth, Liverpool play uh, Plymouth in the FA Cup. That too. So they're going to have. Well, I two figured ma- that's going to be heavily rotated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're going to definitely play. Uh, they'll play two matches before that United match before they're back in the league. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. A lot of people totally discount the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Liverpool don't traditionally. Um, I mean, uh, I'm 99% sure when I say Liverpool have the most League Cup titles ever. That That's a legitimate stat. Um, Klopp wants to win a trophy. Liverpool fans want Klopp to win a trophy. 
Klopp is of the belief that if you go, you know, you win the League Cup, that's something that can boost you as you go forward. So I think Liverpool are going to go hard to win it. Um, That said, it is the first leg. It is on the road. So I think that gives you a little more flexibility than if it was the second leg at home. And that's going to be a little different when we get to that one later in the month. Um, I think I've got to believe, luckily with this break that's coming right now, that's a big help. Um, I think I think he's going to put out a, a strong squad. I think it will be a rotated squad, but it'll still be strong. I mean, I don't think he's going with like six academy players or anything. But you know, you could see a uh, you could see maybe an Alberto Moreno. You could see maybe Ejaria. Um, uh, uh, you know, maybe Kevin Stewart, something like that. You could you know you could see something like that maybe happening. Um, but that said, I think he's going to put out a pretty strong squad. Okay. And I think they're going to go out and try to win. All right. Well, they are going to go out and try to win as Chelsea had done 13 in a row until today against Tottenham. Uh, again, as we've said, Chelsea are five up on Liverpool and lead the league. So we've given a bunch of reasons that uh, other teams, especially Liverpool and Tottenham, could catch and, and overtake Chelsea West. Um, how is Chelsea going to hold on to this lead and see this thing out? Uh, they've been the best team in the league this year. Uh, they've shown that when they are when they're playing like they've been playing lately, there are very few teams that can beat them. Not only that, there are very few teams that can draw them. Um, as we said earlier, well, you know what? Uh, Tottenham showed the blueprint. Okay, well, there's only a few teams that can do it. Guess what? They don't have to play those teams every week. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not the Tottenham or the Liverpool, I think, that are going to stop Chelsea and, and knock them off that perch. No, it's going to have to be, you know, Bournemouth beating Chelsea. It's going to have to be Watford beating Chelsea. It's going to have to be, you know, West Brom, who's played very well lately. You know, it's going to have to be one of those teams who start to take some points off Chelsea. If if not beating them, then getting that 1-1 draw, getting that nil-nil draw. Um, if Chelsea can avoid that and keep going out and winning, at the pay, obviously at the pace they've been going recently, um, they are still the team to catch. Still no European obligations. They're out of the League Cup. Obviously, the FA Cup's about to kick off for all the, uh, all the Premier League squads. So that will be a little extra something. But I think Chelsea have the squad depth to be able to rotate and do whatever they want for the FA Cup. I mean, they might just say, fuck it, who cares? <coughs> never seen teams do that, right? No, I never. <laughs> um, never. City. But, uh, I mean, Chelsea, they're the leaders in the clubhouse right now. <clears throat> and they are, by far, I believe, the team to beat in the run-in. For... For as much credit as we've given that defense, which has been amazing since the switch to the three four three, and I know we said you know Spurs provided the blueprint of how to beat Chelsea, and that there's only a few teams that maybe can execute them. Did did we maybe see though a few cracks in that defense today that could be exploited? Maybe not to the level of a victory, and maybe not like as it's oh it's a blueprint, but just maybe like maybe maybe that defense isn't 
quite as impenetrable as we thought. I mean, Stoke did put two on him <clears throat> mm-hmm. the other day as well. So maybe maybe that Azpilicueta, Luis back line, along with Cahill, maybe isn't as absolutely strong as we thought it was. And well, I here's my thing. That, but go I, ahead. I've, I've never felt that individually that was an overly strong back line. Um, <clears throat> I feel that a lot of what Chelsea have done has been system-based, that they haven't had to rely on that back three. I, I'm not trying to take a lot away from those guys. It's just I want to say, I mean, this isn't exactly like the AC Milan back line of the 90s. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> I mean, here's Louise who was brought in as kind of like this laughing stock, you know, that, uh, that, that PSG basically sold for pennies on the dollar. Um, here's Cahill who, <clears throat> excuse me, Ed, excuse me, folks. I mean, here's Cahill who has been solid over the years, but I mean, no one's ever really, you know, thinking Gary Cahill is, Oh God, he's the defender of defenders. Um, and as Piliquet has been a, a quality back, don't get me wrong, he's been a quality player. But, I mean, just if you put this team on paper, I don't think defensively they just terrify you. But this 3-4-3, when you've got an Angola Conte, you know, roaming ahead, when you've got Nemanja Matic roaming ahead, <coughs> and you've got these unbelievably dangerous guys out on the wings who can get up fast and make you pay for every mistake that you make. That's what has made Chelsea so difficult to try to break down. That's what made Chelsea so difficult to try to beat lately is I just, I think those guys were playing so well as a cohesive group, almost, almost somewhat reminiscent to Leicester last season. Yeah. Um, that that's what Conte put, would be the uh, joining factor. Yeah, you know, that's the joining. Obviously, you know this guy. Obviously, this guy's fucking good. Um, that to me was more it than just oh they've got these amazing defenders because I don't think they do. I think they could actually get better defensively, which is terrifying. Um, but just a part of me wants to say that if you can catch them on a day. Where everything's maybe not clicking together, I just I think you can go out and beat Chelsea. That said, they haven't think, really given you days <laughs> where everything's not yeah. clicking. Well, and I think I think you know we talked about the back three, and I think Engel Conte has been a huge part of that. It, it kind of shielding them almost, winning almost every tackle. And today, that's another thing that's probably going to go by the wayside a little bit of how uh, in terms of. Mm-hmm. reasons Tottenham won today but Musa Dembele and Victor Wanyama mm-hmm. basically said oh you're not going to bully us around we're just as big if not bigger and stronger than you are so good luck and and that's what they did and they basically negated his presence for large parts of that game and he had to come yeah. off to uh got put off for uh Fabregas mm-hmm. um so I think I think that's it it is it's if you can kind of take Conte out of the game, which is again very hard to do, and you know, well, well we say you know not everybody can you know is the team like Liverpool and Spurs. Not everybody mm-hmm. has the Musa Dembele that can just 
you know, be strong and also mm-hmm. good on the ball as well in that midfield. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that is something for teams to look at. Um, but that is, as we see now, we are on break going into this weekend because of the FA Cup. Woo-woo. Yay. Uh, the hey, lowest hey, level when, when, when Plymouth comes to town, you know it's mm-hmm. time to rock and roll. Hey, Plymouth Rock. Ha-ha. <laughs> Got it. Um, I'm here forever, folks. Um, lowest team still in the competition is uh, from level seven, which I'm not even sure exactly what that is. Um, but that is the, that means they're in the conference somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere out there. That is Stourbridge. They will be taking on a uh, League Two side Wycombe Wanderers, um, in the as part of the League Cup. Uh, uh, level five teams include Lincoln City, Barrow. Uh, as I go down the list here, East Lay is also a level five team. <laughs> so that's the kind of quality you get here in the third round proper of the FA Cup. As was mentioned, uh, Liverpool will be hosting Plymouth Argyle, uh, who don't have Argyle on their uniforms. Losers. And uh, they'll be playing on Sunday. And uh, Tottenham will be hosting uh, Aston Villa. Uh, at White Hart Lane this weekend. Uh, it gets kicked off Friday with West Ham versus City. Yay! And then on Monday, you get Cambridge United hosting Leeds. So a lot of FA Cup gloriousness to go for. Um, but that's just the amuse-bouche to the midweek matches that will be from the EFL Cup, as it is now known. And the 2016-17 edition is wrapping up here. We are in the semifinals on Tuesday Manchester United hosts Hull in what you have to think is going to be a decent victory now for United if they keep up to form. While Liverpool heads back to the south coast to take on Southampton in their first leg. Uh, Southampton reeling a little bit. and We'll see if maybe a possibly slightly rotated Liverpool side can take advantage of that and take a lead back to Anfield for the second leg, which will be played on January 25th with Hull hosting Manchester United on the 26th. Um, Wes, I'll do credit to Southampton, and I think they can give Liverpool some matches. Mm -hmm. I think we're on a collision course for Liverpool United in the final. I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. I mean, a final between Mourinho and Klopp. Um, A final between... You know, as they'd say here in ACC country, it's Duke Carolina playing for, you know, hey, we've said it before, it's Duke Carolina playing for the ACC Tournament Championship. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we have credited the League Cup with being. Or, it's not know, the National Championship. Well, yeah, it's not it's, the National Championship. It's kind of like, oh, it's the ACC title. Um, or, or maybe the Maui. <laughs> no, not quite the Maui. Um and it, that's the thing, you know, it, hey, if, if we're going to be fixing any semifinals, it's obviously going to be this because you know the FA is going, oh, hell yeah. Liverpool and United at Wembley, it's going to be like the old days. We're going to sell so many fucking tickets. We're going we're gonna to put 100,000 people in there. There's a damn good chance they could with, uh, with Liverpool and United because uh, you've got two clubs who – um, uh, I think we could say it. They've been down from from the standard they expect. They've been down. Yeah. Um, both of them kind of seeing the resurgence this season. Liverpool maybe had it figured out a little earlier than United, but United now showing the resurgence. Um, 
you know, at that point, you know, at that point, AFCON would be over. Um, I mean, you'd be looking at two full-strength teams. I mean, that's Pogba, that's Zlatan, that's, you know, that's Sturridge, that's Coutinho. Uh, I mean, you'd have the star power, definitely. And once again, the coaching star power, absolutely. Uh, I think it would be, (coughs) for the the League Cup final, that is, I mean, that's as close to a dream matchup as as the Football League could come up with. Um, And... You know, for Liverpool on current form, for United on current form, for the two teams that are playing on current form, going by that, you've you've got to feel that we have a very good chance of seeing that in the final at Wembley. Agreed. So with that, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's news and notes time, as well as watch four and so raw here on the Point Fair Podcast. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And welcome back to the Foreign Affair Podcast. I'm Edward Green, joined by McCall and Crime West Bradshaw, presented to you by NGSC Sports and I'm next USA. All right, Wes, as we hit the news and notes, uh, the first one, uh, quickly, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Fernandinho uh, will have to serve another four-match suspension for his red card. I love it. I can't get over that. I love that so much. He's an idiot. Um, He lost his appeal. However, uh, Sofiane Fagouli uh, of West Ham won his red card appeal. That was in the Man United match. Yeah, uh, nobody fouls Phil Jones like that. What were you thinking, Sofian? No, of course. Um, terrible call by the official in that match. And uh, that has been righted to an extent. I mean, West Ham did have to play 75 minutes with 10 men against United. Exactly. So, uh, but he will not have to serve any uh, bit of a suspension for West Ham. So he will be able to come back for his club. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about City, though. As uh, as uh, I got super famous last uh, last yearish when uh, when I got Mourinho to give one of the quotes of the year talking about how his club doesn't buy titles, um, <laughs> Raj Bennett quickly you're trying to one up me and get the new quote of the year for 2016 right at the end, um, saying Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola quote I am arriving at the end of my coaching career. And, and Wes, we've talked a lot about Pep already. Um, just 45 years old, but this is a guy who had to take a year off sabbatical between Barcelona and Bayern. Um, he's now joined uh, only his third top-level squad, uh, <coughs> now City. And, and he's already talking about that he's sees the end. You know, that means, you know, maybe... I mean, who knows how far that end is away at City, but... I mean, do you do you believe Pep when he says that this could basically be his last stop? And if so, how many years do you give him at this post? Well, uh, as far as it being his last stop, <clears throat> I mean, when you think about it, where is the next step for Pep Guardiola? England men's national team. <laughs> too foreign, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, at this point, too foreign. Um, yeah, <clears throat> You coach at Barcelona, arguably biggest club in the world. You coach at Bayern Munich, arguably biggest club in the world. 
You're coaching now at Manchester City, uh, arguably biggest up-and-coming club in the world over the last six, seven years, basically since they got the oil money. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, and, and once again, as, as, I've, as I enjoy pointing out for Pep, everywhere he's been – and, you know, you could say, well, you know, Real Madrid spend more than Barcelona, but give me a freaking break. It's Barcelona. It's not like anyone's telling him he couldn't spend money at Barcelona. Oh, no, he didn't get to spend the most money, but he still had the greatest player in the world. The poor thing. Yeah, and then probably the second and third greatest player in the world at certain times. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know... I mean, where else do you go after that? You're not going to Italy where no one other than Juventus has money. You're not going to France because, seriously, you're not going to France. You're not going back to Spain anywhere other than Barcelona. Um, You're not going back to Germany. And, I mean, who's going to give you bigger spending power in the Premier League? You know, he already had his choice of, of jobs in the Premier League. Now, there are teams who might, you know, United might want to tell you, oh, no, we didn't offer it. Shut up. You knew. <laughs> you knew. Don't act like you didn't know. Don't act like you didn't take your chance at Pep Guardiola. <laughs> so, for Pep, I mean, as far as club teams go, I can't – I don't know where else the hell he would go. I mean, unless China wanted to pay him 40 million euros a year. <laughs> He could be your next big Chinese signing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, with, I mean, the way the article uh, describes it and the way he talked about how mm-hmm. emotionally he invested he gets in every match. You know, they uh-huh. talked about how he can barely eat on match days. Uh-huh. You know, I would, I, I don't, I, he doesn't seem like, I know you were just sort of joking, but he definitely doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would just take the money to go to China. No, no, I mean, this no, is a guy who no. wants to be at one of the top clubs in the world, and uh-huh. and I think you make a fair point. There, I Now, here's the thing. I could maybe see him going back to Barcelona, but that's that's virtually it. So Yeah, I mean, I don't know anywhere else he would go, and then, <clears throat> you know, that would... Even that would be a weird dynamic going back to Barcelona because you know, I mean when even when they split you know they kind of had their they they kind of had their little tiff between each other still Barcelona and Pep did um, <clears throat> but it, you know that could be about the only place I could see him going back you now you jokingly said England men's national coach obviously not we only go for you know real forward thinkers like Sam Allardyce in England um, but. I mean, maybe Spanish national coach? Maybe. You know, but, but, you know, they'll tell you too, and you've seen it over the years and you've heard it, you know, being the national coach is nowhere near the grind of being a club coach. Well, and it's why Conte quit the uh, Italian national team to go back to yeah, club football. Yeah, I mean, he wanted, he wanted the grind. He wanted the fight. He wanted the day in, day out. Um and, you know, a lot of times you kind of see the best national team coaches are kind of those, you know, well, I mean, you look at somebody like Vicente Del Bosque, you know, been there, done that. Big Phil Scolari, been there, done that. So, you know, hey, let's go coach a national team. But, you know, Pep kind of also comes across as this guy, like you said, I mean, 45 years old. He's already accomplished as much, if not more, than nearly any manager in history. Um, now, of course, as as you know, I have my reasons for why Pep gets what he gets, but but not to take to take nothing away from him. 
Obviously, the man's a fantastic coach. He's a fantastic manager. He's a fantastic man manager, it seems like. But you know what? Let's say, let's say in the next five years that he wins the Champions League with Man City. I mean, you know, if, if at 50 years old, you can look back on your career and say, I've done everything. There's really nothing left for me to do. I've got millions of dollars in the bank. I'm still young. I've still got my health. God dang, let me go live on a beach somewhere. You know, let me go. You know what? Let me work for ESPN during the World Cup and be an analyst and have them pay me, you know, $50,000 for that gig. You know, let me let me do some things here. Let me do some things there. You know, let me go and, you know, coach my, you know, grandkids soccer team somewhere. I, I just, I don't see... I, I can't see Pep at 70 years old still still managing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't see Pep Guardiola growing an old man and continuing to chase the dragon, which is the grail, because he's been to the he's been to the top of the mountain. There's a damn good chance he'll get back to it again. I, he ha, he really I mean, let's say he stays at City for this season plus five more. So let's give him six years. That would put him at 50, 51 years old. If you've won a Champions League, if you've won a couple of Premier Leagues, you've done it. You've done it all. Yeah. And as we know, I mean, the grind of the Premier League, let's put it this way. Would you rather retire at 50 with that bank account full, a nice tan, or would you like to keep going and eventually be a Spanish Sam Allardyce? No, quit. Take your money and run, man. Take your money and go eat fresh, delicious foods on the beaches somewhere instead of eating steak and kidney pies in Birmingham. It's not bad. So, um, for part two of that question, I could see this year plus five for Pip. Um, After five, I think you would really be pushing it with Pip. Yeah. So, And that's... I think you're right. That's kind of been about his shelf life in most places is about five. You know, we talk about the Mourinho shelf life. Mourinho burns out everyone around him. I think Pep eventually kind of burns himself out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but you know what? He's he's won Spain. He's won Germany. Those I, I think those two are kind of considered like the best football playing countries. Mm-hmm. And now you're in England, which is considered the most the which is considered the toughest league. Yeah. If he can conquer the Premier League, he's conquered the world at that point. I agree. Um, a couple managers who may one day hope to conquer the world as well. Uh, Hull have appointed Marco Silva to replace Mike Phelan, who is out at Hull. Uh, Phelan took Hull back up into the Premier League from last season, um, but got back <laughs> this week um, after having only won once in the last 18 Premier League games after that great start for the season. Uh, but Phelan is out. Marco Silva is in. It looks like he'll be in for the FA Cup match this weekend. Uh, Paul Clement, speaking of Bayern Munich, coming over from being one of Carlo Ancelotti's uh, assistants, 
and is coming over to coach at Swansea. He's going to take over. He has taken over there. Uh, was actually in attendance uh, this week for their match against Crystal Palace when they came back to win. Was in the stands watching instead of in the dugout, um, but did did come there. So Paul Clement uh, in charge now at Swansea to try and bring them back from the brink. And uh, Wes, we mentioned this earlier. Reset the clock of how long has it been since somebody took a gigantic contract in China? Oh. Back to zero. Uh, it's not Klattenberg. No, even though he was actually offered it somehow. Uh, Belgian midfielder Axel Witzel is transferring from PSG to the Chinese Super League, where he will be going to Tianjin Quanjin. Uh, who are recently promoted to China's top league and are coached. Real quick, did you say PSG? Uh, if I did, I meant to say Zenit. Uh, I was sorry. about to say, yeah, Vitzel was out of uh, Russia. I, I've got something to say on Vitzel when you finish, so go ahead. That's okay. Uh, but he's uh, he's going to Tianjin Quanjin, um, and they were recently promoted mm-hmm. to China. Uh, top league, they are currently head coached uh, by former Italy captain Fabio Cannavaro. Um, as he told the Italian media this week, Witzel said this was a quote, crucial offer for my family that I couldn't turn down because somehow that Russian oil money just wasn't enough for him and his family. He had to go, you know, be like Oscar and, and um, Graziano Pele who have dreamed since they are children of playing in the Chinese Super League and, and all that. Um, of course, this is not the first player from Zenit to go over this year as Hulk went in June for 55.8 million euros. And in recent weeks, he joins, as we mentioned, Oscar, as well as Argentine striker Carlos Tevez, who also go to a pair of teams in Shanghai. There was an article in the New York Times, Wes, about how this is insane and how the Chinese Super League will probably collapse after giving out all these insane contracts. So good for you, Alexel. Cash in when you can. Way to give up on your dream at 27 of being in a top flight league. And Axel Vitzel, I mean, this is a guy who back during the summer was linked with Juventus, uh, was linked with both both Merseyside clubs. I mean, there was, you know, there, from Old West here, there was a pretty good hope yeah. of Axel Vitzel coming in and playing for Liverpool. Um, yeah. I mean, he had big clubs around the world who were after him. <clears throat> and, I, I mean, you know, and here's kind of my thought on it. I know we've talked about it before. The way I feel is, you know, at the end of the day, if, I mean, if you if you feel, and of course, you and I, we've never been in this sort of a situation where somebody's offering you, you know, astronomical, like, life-affirming money. We've never been there. Um, so, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, you know, I play for Spurs and I play for Tottenham for cheap. We can say that all we want. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to decide if making, you know, you've got to decide what what's more important to you. Making an obscene amount of money and having the chance to play in the in some of the best leagues in the world and some of the biggest games in the world, um, on the biggest stage in the world, you've got to decide, is that more important than making 
obscenely obscene amounts of money to play in relative anonymity. Because you know what? Hey, you might be huge in China. That's cool. I mean, that's great. Um, but now, now <clears throat> that said, Carlos Tevez, best decision yeah. he ever made. Oh, he's done. Oh, he's, God. He's like 33, 34. He, I mean, Tevez had, hey, had already said, Europe, I'm done. Been there, done that. He had gone home. He had gone home to retire, and they offered him the most. I think he's the highest paid player in the world now. I think so. Yeah. I mean, for Tevez, without a doubt, he made the decision oh, yeah. of decisions. <laughs> Oscar, I can. You know what? And for Oscar, I'm not going to give him too much grief. Oscar's played at the highest level. Um, there was no way he was getting close to what he's going to make from anywhere else. Guys like, but the guys like Vitzel and Alex Tashira, we had this conversation a year ago uh, when Tashira basically turned down Liverpool to go play for Shinga Binga Dinga Dinga. You know, for, went to play for General Show's Chicken, basically. Um, we love you, China. We do. Yeah, sure. I mean, I know you can take me out of the heartbeat, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, let, let me throw this out here. You know what? Ta- Alex Tashir has made a lot of money. Heard anything yeah. about him lately? Well, and just to that point, until uh, other I read than this in article, these stories. <laughs> well, yeah, and until I read yeah. this article, I had forgotten that Hulk was in China. Yeah, and you know, Hulk. I, I guess if you if you want to if if your if your goal is to squeeze every single penny you can out of out of the game, mm-hmm. which once again I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for doing that. You know, I mean, a lot of these guys. I mean, hey, you know, these professional soccer players. I mean, they're a lot like our our NBA and NFL players. I mean, a lot of them come from the lowest socioeconomic, you know, backgrounds that our that their respective countries have. You know, so obviously they're, you know, Ed, where where our dream might be, hey, you know, I want to go and I want to play in the Champions League and I want to play in England and I want to win the Premier League. Their ultimate dream might be, I want to make as much fucking money as possible so I know my family will never be back in the hood. Yeah, uh, I just, yeah. But, but it's if just, yeah. Right, if you, and that's what he said. It says, he turned down this week. <clears throat> A chance to join Juventus. If you can make yeah. eighty thousand a week playing in Italy for Juventus, yeah. or make three hundred thousand a week playing in China, yeah. on what I've heard have been absolute. Okay, let's say five hundred thousand a week. Uh-huh. Let's say five hundred thousand a week. On what I've, by all reports, are terribly officiated, terrible arenas, terrible pitches. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? And then basically, I mean, there's a chance. Who knows? But because you know we know Spanish Bob is now in charge at Belgium, does he lose a chance of getting back in the Belgium national team next time that rolls around? I mean, I mean it can't I, help. I mean, you know, once again, you take Tashira, and you know, Tashira was a guy who, <clears throat> you know, was very much on the radar to make it to make it into the Brazil squad, mm-hmm. and he went to China, and I don't think they've ever brought him up again for it. I don't think so. Um, but you know, getting back to you know Hulk, Hulk is just the 
Hulk is the epitome of a guy who has always gone for the absolute biggest payday, no matter where it was. Yeah, you know, that I mean, might I mean, have been a bad example, but yeah. Well, and you know, Hulk came up. Hulk came up in the in the mold of, hey, this is how Brazilians get into Europe. They go to Portugal. They go to Porto. They, you know, you make your name at Porto, and then you make your move to Spain, and then you know, you make your move next, you know, Italy or Spain, and then you end up in England or Germany. And Hulk was the one who was like, oh, but yeah, see, these Russians over here, they're offering me a shit ton of money. I'm going to go to Russia and play. Okay. So, you know what? Hulk goes and Hulk makes a lot of money in Russia. And then, you know, there gets to be told, well, you know, hey, Atletico might want to bring in Hulk or maybe Chelsea brings in Hulk or City. Oh, no. Now the Chinese are offering me an obscene amount of money. I'm going to go to China. So, basically, Hulk is going to go down in history as this guy who never, who was, uh, you know, for all accounts, a top, a top class footballer. <clears throat> made a ton of money and never played in one of the top leagues in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, once again, if you're cool with that, if you're just out to make money and your ambition does not include, you know, uh, being a legend or the glory of, you know, having a chance to win the Champions League or winning Scudetto or the Premier League or La Liga, if if uh, your goal is just to squeeze every single cent that you can out of it, more power, dude. Go to Russia. Go to China. Make every penny you can. Because you know what, Ed? For all we say, 300,000 pounds a week or 300,000 euros a week. You know what? When I'm 50 years old, maybe I look at it like, eh, you can have that Champions League medal. I've got more, I've got twice as much money as you in the bank. Hmm? So... I mean, there's there's two ways of looking at it. You and I being more the purest that we are, you know, I'm I saying I'm saying I'll take my hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there is a difference in shit tons of money. I mean, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you were getting a job making a hundred bucks an hour or three hundred bucks an hour, which one are you probably gonna go to? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. honestly, like, what what yeah. what are the jobs? True, 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 true. Well, let's say it's am the I, same. Am I, Let, I, let's say am it's I the editing same. videos for a hundred dollars an hour and picking up garbage for three hundred. <laughs> I'm probably just gonna stick with the hundred dollar an hour job. Honestly. Well, tell you what, let's say you're editing videos at both places, but one of them is in uh one of them is in Brooklyn and one of them's in Roswell, New Mexico. Which one? Is, which one is which? Uh, I assume the hundred dollar one is Brooklyn. Uh, yes, obviously your hundred dollars is Brooklyn, and you know because because Ed, you're so good at it that Roswell's having to pay you three times. You know they're having to pay you three hundred to get you out there because you're so good. It would depend. <laughs> yeah. um, if I could, if I'll put it this way, if I could afford to live in Brooklyn or yeah. in that area uh-huh. on that salary, true. I would probably still rather live true. Brooklyn. Now, now uh, and let me throw this in there here. Back to the professional athlete. Remember now, Ed, you can make $100 a m- an hour working in Brooklyn. You can do that for 30 years. Yeah. Axel Witzel can do this for, if everything everything goes perfect for him, he's getting paid for 15 years of his life. And that's true. That, and, that then, and then he has to live on that for the next 30 years of his life, where you can work up until, say, 10 years before you don't need the money anymore because you're dead. <laughs> 
So, like I said, I can, I can see it from both sides. It just... But I can win a video editing medal in Brooklyn. <sighs> you could win a daytime Emmy. <laughs> like Ron Burgundy and like the all-new sports show. Uh, so I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. I can understand both sides. It's just one of them just feels a lot slimier than the other one. Yeah, you're right. So. Um, well, a guy who's, who's choosing the, uh, the titles over money, uh, cause he's not going to Arsenal. Julian Draxler <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> yeah, because PSG don't pay shit. <laughs> Uh, 34 million uh, pound move or sorry that's euro or pound I can't tell the difference uh, he's got a 34 million dollars thing from Wolfsburg uh, the uh, the 23 year old uh, is heading over to PSG yeah, he's already world, won a world cup he was a semi-finalist to euro 2016 he's won the German cup he's won the German super cup uh, and the 23 year old is now heading over um, again was a big target of all Arsenal but the uh, the striker is going over to uh, to PSG, uh, which uh, should be a good move for them as they try to get back into the title race. There, uh, on two lower notes, uh, Middlesbrough is getting Rudy Justed from Aston Villa, so there's there's that, and uh, Burnley's gonna gonna place a huge bet on Joey Barton because I'm sure Joey Barton's going to place a huge bet on Burnley. I see what he did there. He got yeah, because nothing problems. ever goes wrong with Joey Barton on the books. Yeah, good old Joey Barton. Uh, he is God. heading, it looks like, to Burnley to join them uh, when the transfer window opens. Even so though he is, is potentially facing a massive ban. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good luck with that, Burnley. That's, uh, Burnley, a, that's a bit of a, a gamble. You've been such a feel-good story this year, Burnley. And now you've gone and done this. You've gone and bartoned yourself. Why you do me like this, Sean Dyche? All right, Wes, let's let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be. Bro, there's one thing that matters, and that is tonight as we are taping this. It's actually in the can right now. The season premiere of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I have no idea what's going to happen. Olsen shows this year. That's right, Caitlin Olson. Um, she's she's the next uh, she's the next big thing, I guess. Um, I have treated myself to going back and watching the first. I, I'm into the third season of it on Netflix. Uh, I've seen all of these before, but it's always fun to go back. Um, when you watch, it's always sunny now, as compared to like season one. They are such more horrible over-the-top people now than they were <laughs> it's like when you watch the first season it's kind of like <clears throat> i mean they're kind of like i mean they're jerks and they're narcissists and they're you know they're very self-centered but wow they're nothing like they are now <laughs> you want to talk character development i mean it's like it's like watching the first season of archer again oh, yes. which i mean hey these are all fx shows so well now ah! FX fucking dog yeah they are you know now now fxx shows um but you know the character development is real in those and uh it's it's just been insane Uh, once uh once danny devito was introduced and even the first few episodes with him he was he was even kind of like oh well kind of low-key and they have gone so far off the deep end now it is it's amazing it is amazing and Ed, while you talk about your show, I'm going to go let these damn dogs out. 
Oh, well, I will definitely be looking forward to because there wasn't a whole lot. Well, actually, you know what? Sherlock is back. Uh, so Benadryl uh, Cumbersnatch back on the airwaves uh, as Detective Sherlock Holmes. Uh, very interesting first episode. I'm, uh, I'm not going to spoil it uh, very much as we go on here. Uh, very excited, though. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, it's Thursday night. Uh, the Good Place, back on NBC um, with, oh, God, Ted Danson and, oh, what's her name? Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Uh, great, great comedy on NBC. Um, the Good Place returns from its... Uh, fall into winter hiatus so the good place is is back on your tv screens so i'm i'm very very excited for that um also this friday sees the return of grim its final season is is coming back um to start this year so season six will see the end of grim on nbc and then this weekend uh the second of three new sherlock episodes because we can only get like an episode and a half every year now of Sherlock. Um, so those are what I have been watching, um, and it has been very enjoyable. No, no movies that I can speak of. Um, there, there may be some recordings. I may be playing some games as as we head into this new year. Some some Final Fantasy Ten Two might be coming out. What? I didn't say that. One named technical producer Jackie, you didn't hear me say that name. I, I didn't say that thing. So uh, I assume Wes is, is still t- taking care of those South Paulo dogs. So with that, I'm going to try to stall for time until we hit So Raw. Um, and what I'm going to talk about is, is again, the, the great Spurs match of the day. I, fantastic fantastic match please nobody from real madrid watch that match because i know you guys already want deli ali you can't have him damn it he's ours you keep your grubby little mitts off of him don't hit him we gave you bail stay away i will beat you with a chair which wes is not unlike what happens in sora yeah i could see madrid getting a two for one taking kane and ali at the same time fuck you you. That's so raw. Alright, folks, so raw this week. You know what? I was a good little wrestling fan. I took notes this week. Nice. Yeah, I figured, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with school. You know, last semester was the school semester. Um, starting the new job in a couple of weeks. So I got a little, got a little extra free time coming out of the holiday, Ed. So I figured, you know what, Wes? Why the hell not actually take notes on what you talk about on a podcast every week? New Year's resolutions are in full effect. All right, folks. This week's so raw. There were actually three big shows this week. Um, Number one and two, as you know, Raw and SmackDown. Number three actually took place. Now, folks, we are recording this uh, Eastern Standard Time uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, the 4th of January. Um, this morning at about 1 a.m. our time, maybe 2, 3 a.m., I can't remember, uh, in Tokyo, Japan, Wrestle Kingdom 11, which is the WrestleMania of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, including WrestleMania of the last few years, has probably been the show of the year. Last year, 
the big highlight to me was the uh, AJ Styles Nakamura uh, Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, both those guys now gracing your television screens on WWE. So it is a very topical show to watch. Um, I've tried to stay away from results today because I want to go back and watch it myself. From what I hear, it was once again amazing. Uh, they do it each and every year. It's usually January 4th in the Tokyo Dome. Um, great, great, great stuff. And this year with a lot more Ring of Honor worked into it. Uh, we have the rematch, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. Uh, the Young Bucks were there. The main event was in a guy who I believe you would love as a wrestling fan, and that's Kenny Omega uh, taking, on, uh, taking on um, uh, Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada for the, uh, for the world title, <clears throat> for the New Japan world title. Uh, just... Supposed to be a fantastic show, so I'm gonna get back and watch that, folks. So I, I, I'll have you a little report on uh, on uh, on Wrestle Kingdom next week, okay? But let's hit Raw, let's hit SmackDown for this week. We are three more weeks away from the Royal Rumble, uh, coming up the last Sunday in January. <clears throat> so we're busy um, uh, show building right now. It looks like we know where we're going for that show. Uh, now we're just building the stories, building toward the big um, uh, Royal Rumble matchup. Starting off on Raw, uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Kevin Owens coming out. Um, they end up talking to Mick Foley, who uh, has a new haircut this week. And that's hmm. kind of unusual for Mick Foley because he's not exactly a well-kept man. Um there has been a rumor that's come out that he has admitted to actually cutting his own hair. If that tells you kind of how bad that haircut was this week. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they have, a, they have a back and forth, a little back and forth to start raw. Uh, the highlights to me was uh, when uh, one, of, one of the uh, stipulations for the Royal Rumble Championship match, which is going to be Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, is that Chris Jericho will be suspended 20 feet above the ring in a shark cage. Uh, to oh. keep, yes, to keep him from interfering again. You know, Jericho has those, uh, he has those moments. He likes to get out and interfere in these matches, and they're like, look, man, we can't have this. So he'll be suspended in a shark cage. Uh, this week he described himself as a sexy pinata, mm. which I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, and then later in an argument, um, Kevin Owens dropped the uh, dropped the phrase, "We are national treasures." How dare you speak to us like that? We're national treasures. They are, of course, both Canadian. So yes, they are national treasures of Canada. They are national treasures of Canada. Uh, we got our matches announced for the night. We're gonna have Roman versus Jericho, uh, and uh, the stipulation uh, is there must be a winner. Uh, Roman Reigns will lose the title if he is counted out or disqualified. So interesting there. Uh, and then Kevin Owens versus uh, Seth Rollins is actually going to kick off the show. Um, and the winner or the loser of that match is barred from ringside for the later United States title match. Uh, KO and Rollins gets it underway. Uh, Rollins ends up winning uh, via disqualification. Uh, Owens hit him with the ring bell. Um, it, was, it was a good match, as you would assume with Rollins and Kevin Owens. It was a good match. Um, 
But with that, Kevin Owens disqualified. He is barred from ringside for the U.S. title match coming up, and he is visibly extremely unhappy as he's going up the uh, as he's going up the aisle. Uh, the Universal Champion is not a happy camper in green. We'll see him a little later though, because it was also uh, announced that for the very first time that night, the Kevin Owens show would be a part of Raw, where Owens would host his own talk segment. Yeah, we've done this before. And his guest for the night would be Bill Goldberg. Goldberg. Who, of course, we saw at the uh, Survivor Series (coughs) and the night after Survivor Series. So uh, that, that will be our closing of the night. My match of the night, I just want to point this out, and um, this goes more toward a tag team view, but we had a one-on-one between Cesaro and my guy, the Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, who, by the way, is no longer called the Machine Gun because if Vince McMahon can't own it, he won't let you have that name. So no more Machine Gun. Um, This was a good, solid match. They went about 12 minutes. Um, I personally, uh, having seen Carl Anderson during his Japan days and having seen Cesaro very much over the years. If you gave those two 20 minutes on a pay-per-view, they would absolutely tear the house down. Uh, they are that damn good. Uh, both in tag teams right now, so you don't see that anymore. <laughs> but they are phenomenal. They gave us a good match. Um, some really good moments. Uh, Anderson ends up winning after some shenanigans. And he does a really cool like uh, top rope net breaker that wins it. So it was good. Um, we had a last man standing match between Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. He's like 6'8", 380, and is just like a very hairy beast of a man. Uh, he ends up uh, finally beating down Sami Zayn, a very brutal match. Had a lot of backstage. Um, so that'll, that'll factor in a little later. Roman versus Jericho. Um, KO barred from ringside. Uh, Jericho, you know, we talked about the stipulation earlier. Jericho tries to get Roman disqualified. He actually grabs the U.S. title belt while the referee isn't looking, throws it at Reigns. Reigns instinctively catches the belt, and then Jericho takes a bump, hits the ground, and acts like he's been knocked out, trying to get Roman Reigns uh, disqualified. The ref does not buy it, Ed. Um, in the confusion, Jericho hits Reigns with a code breaker. One, two, kick out just before three from Reigns. Uh, back and forth, back and forth. Reigns wins it with a spear. So Jericho still the only title he's never won in WWE, uh, other than the cruiserweight or the soon-to-be UK title. Uh, the U.S. Championship still out there, out of the grasp of Jericho. Uh, we got a good promo telling us more about that um, UK Championship. Uh, there will be a tournament. It will be not this weekend, but next weekend, the 14th and 15th, on the WWE Network. Damn dog. Um, it will be uh, a tournament from Blackpool, Ed. So you're not in the Premier League anymore, but you get the WWE UK Championship Tournament. Um, and they made mention that it's going to uh, lead into being a weekly show on the network. Now, I don't know if it's going to be more just in the UK or if it's going to be available to everyone, uh, but it will be a 16-man tournament to start it, and it will all be British wrestlers. So that'll be interesting. 
Uh, let me see real quick. Enzo has a tricked out power chair because, you know, he's been getting murdered lately. Um, his partner, Big Cass, has to face uh, Rusev and Jinder Mahal. Rusev wins with a kick to the head. Uh, my notes, Lana equals goddess. Okay, let's go to the next page. Uh, but Enzo and Cass, still very entertaining. Uh, still milking everything for what it is. Uh, we had a women's number one contender match between Bailey and Nia Jax. That was our last match of the night. Uh, Bailey ends up winning with a Bailey to Belly, which is her suplex uh, off the top turnbuckle. Um, had a little uh, distraction from Sasha Banks on Nia. Uh, so now Bailey is the number one contender. She will face Charlotte for the Raw Women's title at the Royal Rumble. That should be really good. So really looking forward to that. Uh, final seven of the night, the Kevin Owens show. Uh, Owens and Jericho actually come out, and they're dicking around. Won't introduce Goldberg. Finally, his music hits. Out comes Goldberg. Goldberg is very intense, man. Very intense. Gets up in the face of uh, Jericho or and, and also Kevin Owens. Next thing you know, we hear Roman Reigns' music hit. Here comes Roman down to the ring. And uh, Goldberg had already made a comment that uh, after he wins the Royal Rumble, he didn't care who the champion was, if it was Owens or Roman Reigns, they were next. We get a face-to-face, nose-to-nose stare down from Reigns and Goldberg, which is really cool, actually. Those are just two badass dudes. Um, and then Braun Strowman's music hits, because, you know, he's 6'8", 380, Ed. He's a fucking monster. Comes down to the ring. Gets in, uh, looks as if he's about to attack both uh, Reigns and uh, Goldberg, and we get our kind of final moment of the night. <coughs> and uh, we get a double spear from Reigns and Goldberg on the big man Strowman. Uh, and that's kind of how we finish up Raw, uh, both obviously with a finisher of the spear. So hitting him with a double spear, that was, that was impressive. It was a nice little finish to Raw. Uh, a couple notes. Next week, we get The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels coming to Raw. Um, we have a new show coming on the WWE Network. It's called Bring It to the Table. It's hosted by uh, Hot 97's Peter Rosenberg. Uh, Peter Rosenberg, I listen to his podcast every week. Um, uh, so uh, it, it's, it's really good. They talk, they talk really good wrestling. Um, it's, it's through the four-letter word that we don't usually mention. Um, the Espens, but uh, it's it's still good. It's actually it's like the only good thing on there. And, and this show, I haven't watched it yet, but it's sort of it's sort of a PTI style. Um, well, it's it, it's actually kind of a cool idea because you know you can go through the stories going on. Uh, Peter Rosenberg hosting. Uh, Paul Heyman and uh, JBL were the first two guests on there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna catch it sometime this weekend during Snowpocalypse. Um, I'll probably pop it in, so I have something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, SmackDown. We open with the Miz and Maurice calling out Renee Young. Of course, they had the run in a couple of weeks ago, uh, where uh, where the Miz uh, just threw it in Renee Young's face that she sleeps with Dean Ambrose. Uh, Mar- um, Renee responded with a, a hard slap to the face. Uh, they call out Renee Young instead. Dean Ambrose comes out uh, trying to get The Miz. Uh, Maurice doing what she always does, which is standing between um, The Miz and his opponent because, you know, these guys aren't going to run through a lady by any means. 
Maurice then gives Ambrose a very stiff slap to the face. All this is leading up to the fact that our main event for the night is Dean Ambrose versus The Miz for the Intercontinental title. So, uh, Maurice and The Miz trying to get to the head of Dean Ambrose. So, Ambrose not getting on there. We'll get back to that one. Uh, we have a match between Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Corbin ends up winning with the end of days. Uh, goes to continue his assault on Ziggler. And Kalisto actually comes out and saves Dolph Ziggler from more of a beatdown. But then in, in a spinning turn of events, Ziggler super kicks uh, the guy who just came to save him, Kalisto. And no one knows why. He, he just looks very upset, very frustrated. Super kicks him. So we're wondering, you know, are we, are we getting a heel turn for Dolph Ziggler here? That's something to kind of keep an eye on going forward. Uh, over in the women's division, uh, Becky Lynch took on La Luchadora, who I think I've mentioned over the last few weeks. Um, there was a moment in the match where La Luchadora actually went out of the ring and slid under the ring, and another La Luchadora came out. Oh, no. And that turned out to be, my damn thing's on, A-L-E-X-A, Bliss. Echo's still on. I don't want to wake her up right now. Um... Becky Lynch ends up making her tap out with the armbar, but then both of the luchadoras end up assaulting Becky Lynch. Um, so uh, maybe maybe some mind games going on from Miss Bliss uh, before the Royal Rumble coming up where you assume those two are going to fight again. Uh, for me, kind of the highlight of the night of uh, SmackDown, we had our contract signing for the Royal Rumble between AJ Styles and John Cena. And, you know, and usually these get a little kitschy. Uh, they always end up in a brawl somewhere along the way. This was really good. First, uh, AJ Styles had a seething, uh, or excuse me, a scathing uh, promo that he cut on John Cena. And it was absolutely fantastic. And then John Cena came back with his own. Really, really, really heartfelt. <clears throat> you know, had a... Had a had a lot of emotion behind it. I really enjoyed this segment. Uh, it ended up, Baron Corbin came out at the very end, says, um, you know, whoever uh, says he's going to enter the Royal Rumble, he's going to win it. And whoever wins this match, he'll he's going to take their championship at Mania. And uh, then when Cena, Cena looks like he's going to bow up to Baron Corbin and fight, uh, Styles kicks Cena in the back of the head, knocks him out and retreats to the back. So we're setting up, you know, those those guys have had three matches over the summer and they were excellent. I mean, they were freaking top notch. So I'm really looking forward to Styles Cena part four. Uh, backstage, Marie slaps the shit out of Renee Young is my note. Um, James Ellsworth is with Carmella, who's this like really smoking hot chick. Uh, my note is okay. Uh, okay. American Alpha uh, beats Brizongo, and then we have a uh, we have a promo from the Wyatts on the big screen. Bray Wyatt has normal cryptic self, but what we find out next week we are getting a tag team title rematch: American Alpha and the Wyatts. <coughs> That's going to be hot. Uh, and in our main event, the Intercontinental Title match: Dean Ambrose versus The Miz. Ambrose comes out full of piss, full of vinegar. He is mad because not only has he gotten slapped, but his lady friend as well has gotten slapped that night, so he's very pissed. Um, 
<clears throat> this match is kind of marred by the continuing interference from Maurice. And at one point, Maurice actually tries to get her husband, The Miz, disqualified by slapping Dean Ambrose. Ambrose convinces the referee not to disqualify Miz, which would have ended the match and he would not have won the title. Instead, Maurice gets um, Maurice gets ejected from ringside and sit in the backstage. Um, <clears throat> while all this is going on, uh, Miz hits Ambrose with the belt. Could not get the three count. Uh, we have a we have an exchange. Miz going for the skull crushing finale. Ambrose slides out of it, drops him with dirty deeds. One, two, three, and we have a new intercontinental champion to end SmackDown. Dean Ambrose once again with the top. I want to say this is his third intercontinental title reign. But Ed, that is the conclusion of this week's So Raw. Go Dean. Codeine. 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 Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that, that Codeine. Um, oh, so that is going to do it for us here on the Informed Affair podcast today. One more time, it is brought to you each and every week by NGSC Sports, NGSCSports.com. We never stop, even if this podcast is about to. As well as I'm Next USA. You can find them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter at AFA Pod. Wes, you are at West Bradshaw Twenty One. I am at Edward Green. Big thanks to Zencaster who powers this podcast, as well as our uh, podcast providers, including Podbean.com, the iTunes Store, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and much, much more. Uh, we'll be back with another episode next week detailing everything going on in the FA Cup weekend as well as the two first leg ties of the League Cup coming up here and get you ready for another big weekend in the Premier League highlighted of course by Liverpool taking on Manchester United um, Wes before we get out of here anything else to add? Uh, a couple things Ed folks if you like seeing the conclusion of great things this weekend weather permitting the conclusion not one of them the conclusion the all-new sports show, The Saga. Yeah. We're going to call Don't it worry, a salt. Folks, something will go up this weekend. I promise you, something will go up on the page this weekend. We're going to call it we'll a salt, right, Ed? Actually, I am. Fuck that it. Is, yeah. um, so, uh, and the reason we say weather permitting, um, folks, it's the south. There could be a full inch of snow which means everything will be shut down. We will all be homebound. All the milk, all the bread will be gone. Ed, you may have to comfort your your uh, your lady. I know she's not used to this kind of snow. Yeah, being from New York. Yeah, she doesn't exactly know a lot about the southern winter. Um, but, yes. but you get ready, folks. If there's an inch of snow on the ground, you can go ahead and guarantee that uh, the, the ditches and the, uh, the sides of highways will be littered with vehicles. Uh, sure. There will not be a loaf of bread uh, for miles around. And uh, the only way you're getting milk is straight from the cow. Because that's how we do it down south. Ooh, sounds like fun. Ooh, yummy, yummy. So... Uh, Get ready for Snowpocalypse 2017, the January edition. I'm sure we'll get like half an inch in March or something, and everyone will once again lose oh, yeah. their shit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if 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 weather permits, uh, I will be making my way one 
final time, at least, to the Panic Room. Mm-hmm. As we will have the 2016 version of the all-new Big 22. Which mm-hmm. is more than 22, but it, it, it rhymes. And it's sort of football-related. That's why we've always gone with that. Uh, but we will, we will be fully wrapping up the 2016 high school football season. Uh, and with it, potentially wrapping up the all-new sports show. <laughs> we'll do. Uh, a, we'll do, I'll tell you what. We'll do. A, we'll do a let's watch if uh, Liverpool make the league final, league cup final. We'll do a a let's watch on Facebook Live. Oh, totally. Of, uh, the, of, the, of the camera on us as we watch the match. Totally. I mean, we'll still do stuff, but we're just talking about like our legitimate, like week to week. This is the reason of our show. It's over. Legitimate. Because apparently, people have been playing basketball. If they say so. What's that? <laughs> sure. Go for it, guys, because I ain't paying a whole lick of attention to it. Nope. I am done for a while, bro. Uh, so, yep. So, that that's what that's what we got coming up this weekend. Um, we're all going to die. Yeah. It's the jungle, So, baby. for my... <laughs> Gotta love that jungle. From McCollum Crime, West Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on episode 140 of the Foreign Affair Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. And with all that snow coming in North Carolina and beyond, stay safe and enjoy some football. And good night, Chelsea. Your streak may be over, but you still sit high atop the brim. Mm-hmm. For the moment. Got Gotta love all the uh, the Arsenal fans coming out of the woodwork now claiming, oh, at least they didn't beat our streak of 14 straight games. It's like, it was, it was, it was 13 straight. Yeah, it was 14 straight because we won that one the next season too. It's like, well, the, just say, that's, just that's not how. What you mean to say is, thank you, Tottenham. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, friends. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.